You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Welcome. I'm your host, Angela Dea. These days, our social media feeds and television screens are flooded with images of them. Their faces are hard to see as they're covered by masks and shields. Some of you know them as family, as friends or colleagues, but we all call them heroes. They're part of the Blue Army, the men and women in healthcare who are on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. On this episode, we introduce you to one of these heroes. His name is Manar Al-Shahuri. He's a Prevea Health critical care and lung doctor who's been caring for patients hospitalized with COVID-19 at HSHS St. Vincent Hospital in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Before we begin, we'd like to note two things. First, patient privacy is a top priority for us at all times, and this discussion does not relate to any specific patient or patients. Second, this recording is taking place on April 16th, 2020. Everything's been so fluid through this pandemic and things are constantly changing. So we want to share the recording date with you to help add some context to this discussion. So let's begin. Uh, Dr. Al-Shahari, I first want to thank you for the time that you're sharing with us today. Oh no, thank you for having me. I've known you um, for quite some time. Uh, My hunch is that when I just singled you out as a hero, that likely made you feel uncomfortable. I'm guessing you'd say that the work that is being done right now to help patients battle COVID-19 takes teams of heroes. Am I right? You're absolutely right on all counts. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Dedicated, incredible teams of people. Can you talk to us a little bit about those teams and, you know, the respect um, I imagine that you have um, for your colleagues right now during this time? You know, it's it's been really. I'm, frankly, I'll just start off by saying this: I'm I'm not surprised. I'm I'm not surprised by the the courage, nor am I surprised by the dedication of my colleagues, both nurses and physicians. I truly am not. I expected no less, and I am I'm just in awe of all of them. Um, their focus right now is how do we how do we beat this thing? How do we help those patients? What can I do? As, how can I be useful? And, and what is my part in this? And that's what it's been. It's I mean I, again I'm not surprised, but it's just been it's just I'm in awe of all of them. Uh, this brought a lot of us closer. Um, you know, you get to know people, you can know somebody for decades, yet you can only truly know them and in a time of hardship and how they and how they conduct themselves. And I've gotten to know a lot of people even better, much to my um, very pleasant, I'm not going to say surprise, but uh, to what I expected. I, I think they're wonderful. This brought a lot of us together, a lot of brought uh, competitors in, in our industry together. It brought uh, ICU docs from all over this part of the country. Um, and I can tell you more about that if you like. Um, it brought the nursing staff, physicians together. Um, you know, the only, re- you know, you talk about how we're all are kind of uh, wearing our PPEs. You know, the only, the only way I recognize those nurses right now is I've known some of them for like 14 years. It's that time I've been here. By the way they walk, 
of course, their voices um, because I can't see their faces anymore. Um, so it's it's been interesting. Before we hit record on this episode, um, you know, because we always like to go over a little bit of the outline before we hit record on these. And you were talking to me about the respect you have for the nurses that you work with. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? They're, they're magnificent. You know, these, these ladies and, and gentlemen, they, they go into these rooms taking care of those patients. Business as usual. Of course, it's not. But they, they do their job and they do it well. And they, they go in there and they treat those patients in there with, with great deal of respect. And they treat them like human beings, not as, as the as carriers or potential carriers of, of, of this disease. They show compassion for the patients. They've shown compassion to their families. Now, mind you, and I, I know most probably our listeners are aware of the fact that we're not allowing visitors, period. So they go their extra length of conveying some of the personal touches they're seeing in there to the patient's families, trying to be their eyes and their ears to kind of convey what's going on in there because those poor family members, they, they are unable to see their loved one. And they're in those rooms all the time, all the time. And, and they, and, you know, being in one of those rooms, it, it's a personal risk. Make no mistake about it. Um, you know, probably everybody listening probably has heard about the higher level of infection amongst um, healthcare providers. Well, why? Because they're right there. They're exposed. Um, and I admire them for that. I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. I'm not surprised. I've known most of these ladies and, and gentlemen for many, many years. And they're in there. They're doing their job like... Like this is just another day in as far as how they care for people. But make no mistake, nobody's reckless. Everybody's well-equipped. Everybody's careful. But uh, they, they just, you know, they're doing their job. Generally speaking, what are you seeing in terms of how this illness is affecting patients who need to be hospitalized for COVID-19? This is, this is an interesting uh, it's an interesting illness. I use that word uh, kindly. It is a horrible illness. It's, uh, it can be very devastating, uh, without a doubt. Um, we've seen it in action. We've seen it, what it can do. It's, um, it's methodical. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a brand new disease, frankly. One, one of the, one of the uh, uh, physicians who I have great respect for, he's a, he's a luminary of, of lung medicine and ICU medicine, uh, and, and he, his statement that uh, rang very true for me is he said that there are no experts in this disease, none. And his point is well taken because this is a brand new disease. We are all learning. We're all exchanging our ideas, our experiences, and how, how to deal with this and how to treat this. Uh, this is a brand new disease that presented with what otherwise we thought is a familiar foe, but it turned out to be something very different. Um, medically, very, very different, without a doubt. And this, this really is now um, it, shaping how we deal with it um, and how we treat those patients. We're learning uh, a little bit on the fly, but, but also very, um, very intelligently, I think. We, we're, we're able to exchange our experiences very rapidly because of, uh, of 
social media, not necessarily social media, but the, the connectivity that we have with each other, um, you know, webinars uh, where we can meet with world leaders and, and, and thought leaders in some of these fields. Uh, Twitter, believe it or not, has, I know people would, would deride it, but it has enabled me to connect with a lot of ICU docs and uh, around the world and, and exchange information. It, it's been, it, it's, it's totally very different. If you're willing, can you take us for a moment inside your mind, inside your heart? Tell us what it's like to be there, to see patients firsthand who are affected by this. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of feelings, frankly. Um, most physicians, I think all physicians are at their heart are, are, are curious scientists, if that makes any sense. And this this disease, it, it, I'm very curious about it. It is, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking at those patients and thinking, huh, how interesting. It it it's truly um, just absolute curiosity um, as to what this thing is and what it's doing to us. This is now mixed in with with definitely a sense of trepidation and fear. Make no mistake. Yeah, this is a killer. Um, sense of uh, humility, I think, you know, because here is this thing, this, this something that we can't even see with your own eyes, N- nothing new in medicine, you know, there are a lot of killers out there that we can't see with our own eyes, but this, this thing brought the whole world to a halt, I mean, to a grinding halt, where we've all stopped. It, it uh, all countries, all nations, everybody. You know, humanity spends a lot of time um, combating um, imagined enemies and doing so much to uh, to prevent this imagined enemy from, from manifesting. Yet something like this has had far more effect and devastation than anything else. But also, it also brought us a lot closer together, if that makes sense to you. So I, it's, a, it's a mix of things, you know. At a, at a personal level, when I when I look at a patient, and I my my overriding feeling is that I want to help this person. I, I this is my battle with this virus right here. This is my battle. This is my hill, and I'm going to hold it. And I think of each and every one of those patients as a front line, and I need to defend this position if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, you just were were speaking about the fact that you know you have colleagues across the country, across the world, who are on the front lines of this pandemic. Um, can you help us understand the kind of emotional impact that this is having um, on them, um, on our healthcare heroes here? It's 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 been a lot of strain, a lot of stress, without a doubt. I mean, we're all human. Uh, most of us have distanced ourselves from our families, our children in particular. Uh, um, I know my partners. Uh, uh, myself personally, I haven't seen my my child in about 16 days now. Um, I don't know when that will be over. Um, you, you know, some of the Italian docs that I've been in communication with, uh, one of them in particular, had uh, said the other day that that was the first time him seeing his family in seven weeks. Um, um, it's um, it's it's been it's been tough. It's been tough uh, psychologically. It's definitely been demanding physically as well uh, for for everybody. I, I think so far here we haven't had it as bad. We've 
we're putting in a lot of hours for for many reasons uh, and taking care of these patients is definitely laborious but i my heart goes out to those docs in new york and what they're having to go through the ones before them in seattle most certainly the ones in italy and and uh, france and spain it's it's been really it's been really tough but but you know what it it brought it brought this a lot of strength in these people are strong people you know and they 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 were rose and they're meeting this challenge you know we're seeing um our local community members and businesses really stepping up to support healthcare during this time. You know, I we take walks around our neighborhood. The, the driveways are covered in sidewalk chalk with, you know, messages of gratitude and hope. Um, there's blue ribbons hanging on trees, blue lights lighting up local landmarks, those paper hearts covering windows. You see businesses donating services, products, meals, um, so many um, seamstresses out there uh, working around the clock, making cloth masks. What's your reaction to all this? Gratitude. Lots of gratitude. A lot of appreciation for it. Um, I, on my way home, I just, you know, I basically kind of just travel from home, work, homework, etc. And, and I see this on my way. Uh, this one particular a place here just down the road and they have this sign across all the windows at the front so you can read it very clearly and they have a very large blue ribbon around a massive tree trunk which is i i love that that is that it's just it um a lot of gratitude thank you yeah no we we thank you <laughs> um you know none of us have ever lived through a pandemic um, I don't think that the majority of us, especially those of us who aren't in healthcare, would have ever expected something like this. What kind of impact do you think that this is going to have on humanity, on the world going forward? Um, you know what? I, I just that's a really that's a really interesting question. I, you know, since I've I've read it, um, it's something I've been thinking about for quite a while actually. So it's interesting that you ask it. I, and I think only time will tell. Um, this. It could have a. Um, it certainly could have a negative impact. You know, with with any with hu- human nature it tends to want to survive, and uh, human nature for us to do that, we typically like to find a visible enemy. So you you'll find some negativity. You'll you'll find uh, finger pointing. You'll find blaming. You'll find uh, racism, xenophobia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but having said that, you know there is also an incredible surge in 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 coming together and and recognize this uh that this is a threat to humanity and it brought uh the the best of us in so many ways and also you know this is it's interesting you know america in my adopted country you know so i always think of america as the the comeback kid you know it it kind of almost enjoys at times you know getting beaten the first round only to come back roaring you know, so here we are, you know, Ford Company, partnership with uh, GE Medical. They're, they're making vents that uh, could be deployed in the field. Um, they're making massive amounts of those. Um, you know, things like, like you mentioned earlier, you know, even grandmas and, and people at home sewing things and, and, and kind of having some ingenious ideas. Those masks, if you ever wore one, they become intolerably uncomfortable on your ears after a little while. So we've been gifted with these head caps that have these buttons on the side that takes the pressure off your earlobes. It's, it's actually amazing. Um, it's so much, you know, there, you know, I, I think also think globally that, Going forward, I think two major things will happen. 
uh, on the one hand, they will. I think this will change any government in around the world will have to budget and consider this a non-negotiable part of its uh, budgetary concerns and planning to be able to handle a pandemic. Uh, this is something that, uh, the, the unfortunately, well, fortunately, these things happen about a, with a hundred year cycle, uh, sometimes 50 years, not as bad, but definitely with a hundred years, there's always something major going on. And of course, humans, we have short memories, so we, we tend to forget about that. But I think with this, I think going forward, this will be a, a subject matter to be discussed and for, for, to be prepared in terms of PPEs, in terms of ventilators, in terms of whatever have you. Um, this will be a non-negotiable part of any sort of budget going forward. And I think it'll be at the forefront. I think this will become a national security issue and I, I think that's a positive thing. You know, a lot of epidemiologists, a lot of physicians, a lot of people in the field have always advocated that it should be, but it unfortunately always took second place even farther down the list for various considerations um, because it was never perceived as an imminent threat. So that's one thing. And I think the, the other thing that's probably is likely is gonna come out of this, and likely with the deployment of things like AI, is the ability to predict this very, very quickly and have a plan to enact equally quickly. Uh, the world is very, very connected and unfortunately this connectivity allowed this virus to spread so quickly, but at the same time that could really work to our advantage in, in being able to have some early detection systems, something akin, maybe even better than the systems we have there to detect tsunamis and earthquakes, etc. So that's what I'm hoping will happen here. And of course, you know, having the ability to ramp up um, the, the vaccine industry, and that's a whole different topic. Um, to be able to, you know, now you keep hearing about that it's 12 to 18 months. There's a reason why that is, and the reason is, is you know, it's partly bureaucratic, partly is inefficiency in some scientific methodology. But I'm hoping that th th some of these things will be addressed, and I think they will be, that we will move forward and past this. So when you look at what is being done now to help curb the spread of the virus, you know, the staying at home, the social distancing. Do you think that it's working, at least here in Wisconsin? I absolutely believe it's working, without a doubt. And I would like it to continue. I know today um, Governor Evers came out and I think extended it till, uh, please tell me, was it May? May 26. May 26, yep. I think that is definitely the smart thing to do. People have to remember that we haven't conquered this thing. We've flattened the curve. Yes, we, we have most certainly have done that. But we don't have a vaccine for this yet. Uh, this thing could still make a, a resurgence if people started getting back together. Uh, so uh, it, it definitely is working. Just a, a short while ago, you know, because you just mentioned Governor Evers made the announcement extending the stay-at-home order. And, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling my, my social media feed and so many, um, so many posts seem to express frustration with this. Um, people seem to be getting restless, frustrated that we're still being asked to stay home, um, that so many businesses are being affected. There's concern for the economy. There are others who are not taking social distancing recommendations seriously enough. And I guess, what are your words to, to those? And what is your take on this? 
So it is a very rational take on this, which is the obvious. You know, the, the, there, there can't be an economy without people. And for you to have people, you have to have healthy people. Um, so the business right now is health. It's plain and simple. It's health. And for anybody to ignore that, it, 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 is, it is rather ridiculous because if, how are you going to conduct a business and economy if people are sick? What happens if you open up the economy? And I'm not a politician, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay out of the politics of all of the above. But just medically and epidemiologically speaking, we don't have a vaccine. Um, we don't have an effective treatment. This is a deadly disease when it gets bad. Um, it, it has shut down businesses, it has shut down countries and economies. So the business should be the business of health here. Uh, nothing else. Till, till we are able to truly prevent it through a vaccine uh, or some other methodology. Now, having said that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there could be local and very well-judged um, introductions of businesses, etc. But that has to that ha- has to be led by scientific knowledge and by by infectious disease specialists and epidemiologists based on hard data, and not based on economic numbers. I, I'm sorry, that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that needs to be understood because because all of the measures that we've done thus far. Um, are just are going to be to to no avail. Now think of this as a souffle. You know, if you're going to keep opening the oven, your souffle is going to go flat. Mm-hmm. So just let it let it cook. Let it take its time. When it's done, it's done. And please stay home. <laughs> you know, help us save our lives. You know, we we would really appreciate that. And I think really that at the end of the day, that is that's the message. And and frankly, Angela, I mean, here's the thing. You know, people are at home right now with their children. The schools are closed. And people right now are are very worried, and they should be. So if we're going to talk about opening the economy, then you're going to have to convince people that they're safe. You have to convince them that it's safe to open the schools. You have to convince the teachers it's safe for them to show up for work. And you're going to convince the parents that it's safe for them to deposit their children in their schools and then go to work. Think of it this way. How many, how many of us have had children sitting in a daytime or a daycare or at a school, and how many of them came back home with snotty noses, etc.? All of them come back with these common colds. Common colds have an incubation period of less than 48 hours. This virus has an incubation period of five days plus. So people know all of that. So what do you think? What do you, do you think? Uh, and I'd like to think there's a lot of rational people out there. So when people, when politicians, etc., talk about opening the economy, are they really going to convince the parents, the teachers, all these people out there that it is safe? What has changed? I would ask this question. What has changed to make us feel safer today? What is it, April... 16, as opposed to what was going on back in March. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have any treatments. We've succeeded in flattening the curve by staying home. We're asking people to wear masks. But the dynamic hasn't changed in a substantial way. So I just would pose that question. 
And for all those people talking about just let's just open up the country, open up the economy, I ask you, what has changed? And with that, I'll stop. I'm sorry. I talk too much. No, no. We, we appreciate your insight. You know, this has been a, a really difficult time for all. Um, and I think in the midst of it, you know, we're all trying to find some silver linings in the clouds. What have been your silver linings? Oh, my goodness. Many. Truly. Um, I have gotten to get have gotten to know a lot of the ICU docs in this part of the country. Um, I had the privilege and honor to be able to knit together a group of physicians uh, that extend from here in town uh, all the way to the uh, Appleton at the Valley, Ashkosh, and all the way to Illinois. And I've gotten to know some really wonderful individuals. We do this uh, over Skype. We do it once a week. Every Wednesday, we meet as a it's about an hour meeting where we exchange ideas and thoughts and experiences. And I've gotten to know some really wonderful people, very dedicated docs, amazing. I have seen an incredible side of my nurses. Uh, I have seen an incredibly brave and compassionate side of this community, which again does not surprise me. I have seen um, competitors in our business uh, the different, you know, healthcare systems in this town uh, rise to the occasion and and collaborate very effectively in a very very positive way. Um, so yeah, I've seen a lot of ingenuity. I've seen a lot of humanity. So there's there's a lot of it's more than just aligning. It's a big frame. Mm. More than just aligning, a big frame. I like that. Is there anything you'd like to add or leave our listeners with? Yeah, as, as, you, as you were staying home and getting frustrated with, with this whole situation, I, I understand. I, I, fu- I fully understand. I, I grew up with the financial hardship, I'll be honest. I, uh, it, was, it was very difficult, you know, and I grew up in a different country, and, and uh, I, I totally understand and can relate to financial, very hard financial hardship. I get it, and I understand that. Um, and I understand the, what, what is being asked of them, to stay home, hang in there. I, I understand that. I understand it's very, very tough. But I want them to trust me when I say that you are saving lives. You're saving my life, truly, cause, and, and others, by doing this. It is not, it is not a simple act to, to, be able to adhere to this advice. I know it's not. It is asking of a, of a great sacrifice. And I just ask that they do that. Because I'd like to see my child soon. You know? <laughs> so um, that's, that's all I ask. I'd like them, for them to consider that. I'd like to consider and think of the, the nurses who also have families and children whom they're either sleeping in different rooms and, and completely sequestering themselves from them. Um, the physicians out there, all the everybody who's involved in, in this effort. And just to consider that. It's powerful. We're really, really grateful, deeply grateful for your time for this episode. Um, more so grateful for your work and the work of everyone in healthcare in fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. And I hope you get to, to, um, to see your child and, and give them a great big hug very soon, Dr. Al-Shahari. Thank you, and I, I hope so. I truly do. That'll be a great day. And thank you to our listeners. 
please be sure to check out our additional episodes of Plug Into Health, which are focused on helping you all stay healthy, informed, and inspired during the COVID-19 pandemic. Stay well, everyone. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit provea.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Provea Health at Provea.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Provea Health.